This podcast is brought to you by Aldis International, supplying your expert AI and digital transformation staffing needs across the US and Europe. Today, you are listening to our AI in Action series, where leading minds in AI from across the world share their story, success, and advice. AI in Action cuts through the hype and explores the true impact of artificial intelligence in our world today. You're listening to AI in Action. I'm your host, JP Valentine. Our guest today is Brian Smith. Brian is the CTO at Maya Health. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here, JP. It's our pleasure. Brian, let's start with yourself. Can you give us a brief overview of your journey in technology from where you got started, some of the roles you've held along the way, and, and taking us up to today as, as the CTO at Maya? So uh, my journey in technology honestly started when I was a kid. I was nine years old. I got my first computer, started writing programs writing games on an Apple IIc as a kid. And then through undergraduate time, I also did computing work as well as medical research. Learning during my PhD training at Caltech, where I was studying neuroscience and specifically looking at mechanisms of neural coding in real neural networks, actually. So that work, though, required collecting a lot of different kinds of data and then the work to actually analyze and integrate all that information into what became my thesis was where the machine learning stuff really kicked off for me. And so that was you know, late 90s, early 2000s. And yeah, there have been a couple different waves of artificial intelligence, one that predates me by a bit. I finished my graduate school training in a bit of a lull for the kind of AI field. And then, of course, it's coming back strong recently. And then also it might be worth saying, I am a bit of an AI naysayer, honestly, <laughs> somewhat paradoxically. So I really think of artificial intelligence as being more specifically reserved for AGI, artificial general intelligence. And a lot of the stuff in the market today, a lot of what we hear about as AI today is really computational statistics, machine learning stuff uh, and, and applying it at scale. And so that's actually what I've been doing since leaving graduate school is uh, focusing on developing industry domain expertise and learning what problems machine learning might be able to solve in different industries and then developing models either myself or working managing a team to develop models that have a measurable financial impact in whatever business vertical it's in. So I've worked in uh, market research, in marketing, in business intelligence, and then, of course, a fairly long stint in healthcare. Most recently, before joining the founding team here at Maya, I was the chief scientist for a company called PocketDoc. And PocketDoc started as a consumer marketplace for healthcare services, a pricing transparency kind of tool. And over time, PocketDoc decided to actually focus on the core interoperability problem that faces a lot of healthcare. And there's a lot of machine learning that needs to be applied in order to generally make use of all of these systems, right? That all the EHRs, all the different sources of information and integrate them for benefits, 
management and claims processing and all these things, uh, the, the X12 transaction set. So PocketTalk actually rewrote all of that stuff. And then that was acquired by Change Healthcare, which is you know, the nation's largest medical claims clearinghouse. So all the APIs that are now available via Change Healthcare, all that stuff was all developed there at PocketDoc. And I definitely want to circle back to the, the topic of, of being an AI naysayer, because I think it's important to showcase uh, part of the, the whole concept behind the podcast, AI in action, is to cut through the hype behind it and, and show people what, what it actually means. And much of it is analytics and statistics. But you led us nicely to, to where you are today, um, and you talked about being a founder member of Maya. So tell us all about Maya Health, the mission of the business, the, the idea behind behind it and then we can jump into the technology uh, piece and what role AI and, and data science plays. Sure, yeah. So Maya Health is a care optimization platform for managing care in the home and connecting all that information back into the health system. Okay, so what we look like today in market is we look like a remote patient monitoring company. And that is the the product that we currently sell today. But I like to joke with folks sometimes that RPM, remote patient monitoring, is like Maya's equivalent of Gmail as it was for Google. It's a service that's needed and in demand in the market. It's one for which the existing services when we started the company, uh, you know, the market was sort of due for a refresh. RPM solutions had been out there for a long time and doing a decent job of collecting data. But we saw that there was need for a, a different and specifically a more fully integrated approach uh, to this product line. And then, of course, the transition, it's still ongoing and, and everybody likes to talk about it, but the ongoing transition to value-based contracting in healthcare payment in the U.S. is another thing that sort of prompted us to jump into the business. So from this initial founding of the company to jump into RPM as well as think about how we can integrate RPM programs to help health systems with their value-based contracting work. That was really the basis for launching the company. And that's how we're, that's when we talk about healthcare optimization as opposed to just RPM, that's really what we mean. We think that the data collected in an RPM program are actually critical for managing contracts under risk because it closes a very important information gap that exists. And by that, if you are a health system or a provider and you're taking on risk in one of these value-based contracting arrangements, there's a tremendous amount of risk present in the fact that you don't know what's happening with your patients when they're at home. You only see them when they show up in the clinic or in the emergency department frequently. And Maya exists to close that information gap. And only through so doing do we believe can we help optimize the value-based and other contracting systems for healthcare delivery across the entire health system. Thank you for sharing that. And, and it's really great to hear about the, the mission behind it all and, and talking about the impact to what we all know is a multi-billion dollar, very complex problem that you're trying to solve. Switching our attention now to your role as CTO, driving the technology behind all of this. Can you give us some insight into the current makeup of the broader technology team? What it's like from the coming up with the, the concept building building models and taking it into production? Sure. 
Yeah, everybody on my team is a programmer. Uh, we're, we're all engineers, <laughs> so that's first thing. Even the, the folks at the sort of management layer in the company are all developers. It's actually a critical thing uh, for my team, I, I think. It helps us stay lean, but it also ensures that everybody who is involved on the engineering side is actively and directly working on the product. So there, there's a, a very thin management player, one to manage the, the data engineering and the data QA folks, and another to manage the third-party integrations. As you might imagine, a IoT style platform has a lot of third-party integrations to manage. So we've got someone in charge of just doing that part of the job. And then underneath each of these folks, there are data engineers, algorithm developers, data science folks, uh, a couple of like actuary types. So people who know the healthcare payment side directly. And then we integrate QA into the engineering side of the firm as well. All developers are responsible for quality of their software. And I think that's actually a, a critically important part of what we do uh, here at Maya. And it's a little different than having a QA department that's uh, separate, of course, always integrates with engineering but making sure that the, the developers themselves own quality of the code they write is definitely an important part of the way we operate. You are listening to the Aldis Podcast. When you're looking to scale your team or if you are interested in showcasing your company in a future episode, reach out today. Or if you're in the market for a new role, visit our website to view open positions, www.aldis.com. You, you spoke in your introduction about your own background of, of the early use of what is now broadly known as machine learning. Can you speak to the, the current use of machine learning at Moya Health, what you guys are doing, and some of the problems and, and complex challenges you face dealing with patient data, healthcare data as, as a general rule? So we've deployed machine learning models to address four key challenges that are in most virtual care management programs today. And these things really affect the scale at which virtual care can be delivered. And that's part of why we focused on these things. So the first is patient selection. So we have an algorithm that will go in and you know, analyze all the data in an EHR electronic health record database and identify good candidate patients for the remote monitoring program or the virtual care program. This is something that all of our health system customers need help with. And so it was the first model that we actually developed here at the company. Another model that we developed is to help manage the scheduling cadence. So when a health system enrolls patients into a virtual care program, they are now tasked with figuring out when they should see these people. So should they see them every week? Should they see them every month? Maybe once a quarter? And by see in the context of the virtual care program, right? So we've developed a risk-based approach to defining a scheduling cadence for identifying the right time to see a patient once they've been onboarded to the program. Uh, the third thing that we saw as an acute need as people started using the system is the need for a data-driven approach to what I call the intraday triage. 
problem. So of course, health system delivers all these medical devices to thousands of patients in their homes. One of the first things that happens is these patients reach out to their care team, as you would expect, and they say, hey, I need to speak with someone. I need to speak to the doctor. I need to whatever. And often these folks aren't actually in acute need of medical attention. However, these calls are coming in, flooding these remote monitoring uh, centers. So we've developed a very sophisticated model that actually looks at the probability of an unplanned medical event in some window in the future, 14 or 30 days. This is configurable by our customer. And then we use that probability to essentially just sort the list of inbound requests for, for care on a given day and provide our, our provider users with confidence that they are seeing the right folks at the right time. And then the fourth really big thing that we're using machine learning for is managing alerts. So alert fatigue is a very big and well-known problem in these types of programs. So someone is measuring their heart rate, they have congestive heart failure, their resting heart rate is over some fixed value and it triggers an alert. And now the clinician has to go in and figure out what to do with that alert, go and clear it. More often than not, what we've found our customers doing before they've had access to this kind of you know, machine learning system is they would spend the time of a highly trained, highly paid individual to get the patient on the phone and check on them and make sure that this alert doesn't have any sort of medical implications. So what we've done is we've built into our software the ability to collect whether any given alert resulted in a change in care. And we've now trained a model on many tens of thousands of these kinds of events so that we know which alerts have a high probability of actually resulting in change in care, allowing our customers to then essentially tune how they turn on or off these alerts based on these kinds of metrics. I'm glad I asked about that because I think having you lay out the four different use cases of, of machine learning is incredibly interesting. And for people who are you know, familiar with the field will know that it's quite novel use. I want to now try to understand the journey from the customer side. So could you give us a, a, an example of the project life cycle for one of your customers from first engagement the, the setting of the problem, how you how you set up to integrate with their systems, and then the end outcome. Our customers are health systems to date. We don't plan on remaining focused only on health systems, but we are focused on building a provider network uh, of folks using the Maya platform. So to date, a health system customer either comes to us or we reach out to them. And the first thing that happens, a pretty robust qualification process because not every health system in the US is ready to start using a platform like Maya just yet. And it's not good as a startup to be turning away business, but it is important for us as a startup to allocate our resources efficiently so that we don't go chasing customers who really aren't going to benefit from the features of the Maya platform. So once we go through qualification, then there's a very extensive requirements gathering process, as you might imagine. This is standard in the healthcare industry. You can't even consider deploying a thing that touches patients without very clearly explicitly defined requirements. The Maya system is built to be very easily configurable. We don't do 
custom build implementations for our customers, but we've abstracted away all the stuff that needs to be customized in the form of configuration documents. So we go through, we define requirements, we tune up these config documents, and then we launch the platform. This is all currently in AWS, but it's largely cloud agnostic. And we launch the platform for them. We start kitting and distributing kits of medical device sensors into the homes of their patients. They often will have already started selecting patients, but at this same time, we'll do all the database integration work, getting robust VPN connections into these systems using third-party EHR integrators, et cetera. So there's all kinds of IT and all the security clearance and all this kind of stuff that has to go on. So we try and work that in as early as possible. Some of it continues to be ongoing while we initially roll out. We often will roll out for a large deployment. We'll roll out roughly 10% of the patients they would like to have on the platform so that we can get folks trained up. We can work out whatever little bugs or kinks might exist in, in each deployment. And then we just start loading patients on. And what happens is we're working with the health system who's already been doing something like this. Invariably, we as we start reporting out on you know, the efficiency of teams and these sorts of metrics, we see that there's, there's always uh, room for adding more patients. And that's actually the goal of this program is to make the same kind of virtual care available to more patients at nominally the same cost to the health system. So as we go in time and they start managing their panels and we're reporting back on, hey, looks like there might be about this much extra time. We think that you can add this many more patients. Then that's where the patient selection algorithm stuff kicks in. And we start helping them identify good candidate patients to put into the program. And then as we move forward, of course, everything has to be evaluated with respect to the quality metrics. This comes up in the requirements, gathering stuff up front. What are the things that we will be measuring to define success of this program? So hospitalization rates or mortality rates or whatever the things may be. Ensure that we're capturing those outcomes effectively. And then we do reporting on that. But importantly, we also use those outcomes for the machine learning algorithms that are driving the entire system, because each customer might have a unique set of outcomes that they want to optimize against. And so we've built a modeling framework that allows us to plug in arbitrary combinations of these types of outcomes and generate, generate a model that will work best for those needs for that health system customer without us having to do any customization of our system to achieve that goal. Final question from me then, Brian. Obviously, with the impact of COVID, uh, in-home healthcare and digital health in any form has been accelerated massively, which can benefit companies like Maya who are, are servicing this space. When you look ahead at the rest of 2021 and into 2022, what are you most excited about for, for Maya? Yeah, great question. Thank you. The thing I'm most excited about, not just for Maya, but for the future of the healthcare industry at large, is the emergence of a distributed care model. And going back to the, the founding ideas for the Maya platform, that's one of the things that my co-founders and I discussed a lot is what we expected to be a coming need for better software tools, better information management processes, 
of to address the needs of a distributed workforce in the healthcare industry. And there are very interesting trends these days that are beginning to indicate that this distributed workforce is going to come online in the near future. And we're very excited about how we are positioned as a company to be the single platform that will be used by these folks to integrate the virtual care management with the traditional care management processes. And really tying those things together is a critical piece of what we think our platform is best positioned to enable. Very exciting. Brian, thank you so much for coming on today and talking to us. I appreciate you sharing your own background, but then giving us some insight in, into Maya and the problem that you're trying to solve with it within healthcare, making it accessible, the use of machine learning, and then also the growth ahead. It sounds like it's a good time for people to be operating in this space. And we certainly wish you and everyone at Maya Health the best of luck in the years ahead. So thank you for coming on. Thanks so much, JP. Pleasure was mine. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Aldis Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any Android podcast of choice. You can also head over to our website, www.aldis.com, to listen to more podcasts, view our open roles, and stay up to date with industry news. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more great episodes coming very soon.